Okay, I see live. There we go. Welcome back. Welcome back. You know, we took last week off. Last week we had a situation. You know, our guest, you know, had death in the family. Definitely, you know, our condolences go up to her, but we have rescheduled that domestic violence episode, you know, coming in April. We know domestic violence month is September, but we definitely rescheduled that for October for breast cancer, breast cancer awareness month. But we got a fan favorite back tonight. We got Miss Dana Michelle back. Dana being Dana. If you missed Dana the first time on the show, I'm going to let Dana run down her credentials again. Welcome back, Dana. Hey, Rod. How you doing? I'm all right. What's going on? Uh, nothing, man. Just an, Oh, I didn't wear. I wore tree leaves today for you. I wore I, leaves. I like the tree leaves. I like the tree leaves. That's what's up. That's I wore what's leaves, up. but... Run your credentials down for us one more time before we get started. You're so kind. Uh, so my name is Dana, uh, Dana Michelle. I'm the host of Dana Being Dana, which is a local television show on Naperville Community Television. I'm based right outside of Chicago. So shout out to all my Chicago folks and everybody else tuning in. Um, I am a graduate of Spelman College, and um, I started a podcast in 2017 about the human connection and different things that bring people together, very similar to Amsterdam talk. And uh, it got picked up for television in 2019. So I have been running, uh, we, we are celebrating 30 episodes in October. Uh, so in just a few weeks, we will be celebrating our 30th episode um, on television, which is awesome. So one of the episodes that we did uh, early on, actually, it was my, if I'm not mistaken, it's my third or fourth episode was on narcissists. The topic of narcissists, because uh, narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder uh, is a thing. And I think people don't understand what it means um, and, and all about that. So I'm here today uh, to talk about it uh, and have a great show. We had so, so much fun last time when we were talking about dating in the pandemic. And so uh, that's also a thing. And I think uh, dealing with narcissists, whether it be your childhood, being a child of a narcissist, uh, dating a narcissist, working with a narcissist, having a narcissistic uh, uh, friend or sibling or someone or acquaintance, all of those things um, are relevant to this. Uh, narcissistic, narcissist personality disorder is a thing. And I think it's something that we should talk about so that you can see the signs uh, and learn how to avoid or, or how to set boundaries with people who um, exhibit those narcissistic traits. So thank you for having me back. Uh, it's good to see everybody, um, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I didn't have no choice because after we did that first show, they was like, she got to come back for narcissism. She got to come back for it. I'm like, all right, well, I'll bring her back for it. And now we're here and we want to talk about, you know, narcissism, just like she stated, you know, we're not just talking about narcissism with, a, you know, with dating and spouse and marriage. We're talking about a dad, a cousin, a brother, a sister, just how to the cause and effects of what happens with it. And she explained, you know, what it is. So my first question to jump out to you, Dana, would be. With a narcissist, do they spearhead every conversation and instantly go to themselves? No. Uh, and, and, and that's an interesting point because narcissists in general, and, and obviously, you know, there are exceptions to every rule. 
per se. So I'm not saying that these things are absolute. Uh, but narcissists in general uh, tend to be very charming. You know, they come in and they woo you. Uh, they they captivate you. They tend to be very charming. And it can be, like I said, it can be in a platonic sense. It could be a parent, uh, a parent that you idolize. I think we are in a culture, and we can talk about this later, where we're grooming narcissists. So they don't come in necessarily... Um, demanding or asserting that everything is all about them, but they really do oftentimes have a magnetic personality and character. I want to make sure that I'm sharing this. Did we, did we put it in a HBCU lounge network? Yeah, I, I see comments, but I don't see the video with it. Yet. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, so let me look for it real quick. And if I do have it, I can actually tag you in it because yeah. I look, I was looking. You have it? I don't have it. All I'm right. trying to chat group. Um, so we live over there, brother, for real? Are we live? We are. <laughs> I don't know where you want it. And I am, uh, I am Dana being Dana on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, they said it may not be broadcasting on Facebook because I had folks tuning in on Facebook. So I wanted to make sure that we could share it there. Uh, but if not, we'll figure out how to get it there and get the get the episode to you. Well, so. This is what we will do then because I just sent it out from YouTube. So we're going to say I'm going to send it to you and there we go. Okay, let's do it. And we can send it out that way. If we can't see it on Facebook. Like we thought we could see it. Can I share? Oh, uh, he said there's, there's an error with Facebook tonight. Facebook, Facebook won't let us be great. No, so we're just gonna have to deal with YouTube. Mark is being, being, you know, him again. It's on there. I got it. It's you on. Got my, it. Yep, it's on Facebook. So I'm gonna share it just so that folks can, uh, can see it. And get it okay get it yeah it, it went live now i see it now i see yeah. it now okay yeah we are, we right, are so, we're in business we in the game baby all right so back to where we let's bring it back we're talking about narcissism tonight you know we brought you know miss dana michelle back from dana being dana that's you know from nc17 tv uh in chicago nc tv oh shit. that's the naughty show. that's not what we're doing <laughs> I apologize. Oh, um, yeah, all good. Yeah. And so we're going to jump straight in, you know, to another question. If you missed the first question, we're going to say, do they gaslight you? Explain what gaslight is for those who don't know, because we yep. want to know, do they get narcissists gaslight you? Absolutely. Because gaslighting, and I'm just trying to make sure that I got this in all the groups. That's supposed to get it in. All right. Gaslighting is a concept that has revolutionized, you know, my own, my own life and experience because... I didn't really understand what it was. And then once I learned what it was, I was like, this makes so much sense. It's ever so clear. Gaslighting is when, uh, and it comes from an old um, 1940s movie about a, a man and wife, husband, a couple, where the, the husband was playing mind games with his wife. And uh, it was about the light, the gaslight of their stove, where they would change it um they said gaslighting uh he would he would turn it off and mess with her mind so she would come down like did you turn that off and he's like no i didn't i didn't do that i didn't turn it off 
Um, and what it is, gaslighting by definition, is when when someone is challenging your reality, they're making you think or see or feel like your reality isn't what it is. They don't they don't mm -hmm. validate your your reality. They don't validate your experience. And for example, when you say, "Hey, you know, I I I don't appreciate you know, Rod, how we were out. I saw you with your hand on that girl's booty." And, you know, I just didn't appreciate that. You know, I'm your girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, that didn't happen. What are you talking about? What do you mean? You didn't see Brenda big booty, you know, and me grabbing her. That's not, that's not what happened. And then you get right. to, you start questioning your reality. Like, did that really happen? Did I make that up? Was I drinking? You know, whatever it is, but it's, you start to question your reality bit by bit and slowly, but surely. And so gaslighting is when someone tries to tell you that what you're thinking feeling and seeing just isn't real. And they make you question your reality. It, it comes down to, and in the movie, you know, the wife went crazy because she, she could continuously question her reality. And that's what a narcissist will do to you when you question them or call them to, to the mat on, on what they do and your experience of them. So um, what movie was this? It's called Gaslight. <laughs> it's simple. So yeah, and that's yeah. that's where the term was coined. I see some of my friends in here. What's up, y'all? So so like, I see there is a thin line between gaslighting and a disagreement. Is there like a thin line? Well, you can gaslight within a disagreement. For example, and and I, this is what I was this is what I was talking about in some of the earlier posts. When you have a disagreement, it doesn't necessarily, somebody talked about gassing. Gassing is different than gaslighting. Gassing is blowing someone up, puffing them up, giving them life, telling them they're great. You're amazing. You know, I, I gas my people up all the time. You go girl, you got this, you got this fam, son, you got, gaslighting is different. Gaslighting is different. Gassing, gassing is more positive. Correct. Gassing is gassing positive. Is gaslighting positive. is negative. Um, but when someone is gaslighting you, repeat your question. Ask me your question again. Oh, um, is there a thin line between gaslighting and a disagreement? Yeah, yeah. So, so in disagreements, people who are not narcissists or who are not gaslighting, in disagreements, they're truly looking to uh, gain an understanding. Uh, to reach a win-win situation, um, to to find a common ground if there is one, and if there's not one, they agree to disagree. Those are evidentiary of of a disagreement. When it's about gaslighting, it's a kind of about their way or the highway. Uh, when someone's gaslighting you in an argument, they're telling you that what your reality is isn't isn't true. Uh, -huh. uh they're they're stating their opinion as fact um they i mean they can stonewall you i i found a post which i did to promote the show today stonewalling is a is a typical tactic of a narcissist in an argument which means they completely shut down have you ever caught somebody in a lie um and you've confronted them and they completely just shut everything down right they don't want to talk about it they don't want to confront it they don't want to discuss it because you've caught them. Uh, it's a typical trait of a narcissist to stonewall, which means that they shut down the conversation, 
They won't in, in, entertain. They won't engage. Uh, uh-huh. Partially because they know they're wrong, but also because it, it, the more they stall, the more they shut you down. They're playing emotional manipulation uh, because when they when they create that distance, when they t- set that boundary, that's what Miss Holmes said. They're intentionally trying to push your buttons. It's exactly right. They're intentionally trying to create that ice um, because it makes you anxious. Um, it makes you frustrated. Uh, it's a tactic used to trigger your emotions. One thing I always say, uh, because my, my day profession is, is a lawyer, I'm a lawyer by day and I do some of these fun things at night, uh, but, but it's a tactic to, to throw you off your game. And, and in strategy, there's no emotion in strategy. You can be strategic or you can be emotional. And so when you're dealing with a narcissist, when you're dealing with um, someone who is gaslighting you, always try to stay as strategic as you can because their game, their goal is to trigger you emotionally. Right. And the one of the ways that you beat a narcissist, and we'll talk about this later, I suppose, is by not, not being drawn into the emotional game. Okay. So you did a stonewalling promo to promote the show, and I did a promo of how narcissists apologize. And I know you saw that basically narcissists apologize with no specifics. It's just, I'm sorry for everything. It's no specific, like, I'm sorry because I did blah, da, 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 da. It's just everything, you know, it's me, it's not you, you know, this is that, this is the bullshit they actually do. So, you know, is that fact or is that just myth how they apologize? Well, well, the most uh, authentic and genuine form of an apology is change behavior. Okay. The most genuine form of an apology is change behavior. And what that means is that if someone's truly sorry and apologetic for their actions, um, they will, you will see a change in their behavior. A narcissist is usually apologizing, like, like Gloranda said, that because of the way that you feel or because they got caught, or because you're upset, or because they're trying to get out of the room, or they're trying to get off the phone, or they're trying to move on. And so they're not truly sorry for uh, their wrong, because they don't see that as a wrong. Keep in mind, you know, by definition, narcissists are self-absorbed. They think first, first and foremost about themselves. And in most cases, they think only about themselves. So that's what makes them narcissistic. Um, And so when it comes to apologizing, oftentimes it's insincere and it's more so uh, a transition to get out of whatever position they are in. Meaning, um, I just want to end this phone conversation. I want to get out of the car and go in my house. I want to end the night. I got things to do. Um, I'm just trying to be done here. So I'm sorry is a great way to kind of shut you up, shut you down, um, appease you momentarily so that I can kind of escape, um, particularly if I've been caught or because oftentimes narcissists tend to be cheaters. Um, but it, but it, it allows them, uh, kind of a get out of jail free card in many ways, but it's oftentimes insincere. So, I get well, I just saw what you know the black model what brother for real just put up there, um what he just wrote, so I guess we would say you know narcissists, I would ask 
So what you just said and what he just said, so do they lack empathy? Well, that is actually the difference between a narcissist and a sociopath. Uh, a narcissist tends to be self-absorbed uh, and focused on themselves. And a socio so a sociopath is a narcissist, but a narcissist is not exactly a sociopath. So a narcissist uh, is not always a sociopath, but a sociopath is a narcissist. The difference between a narcissist and a sociopath is empathy. Um, sociopaths lack empathy and are aware of the harm that they cause and they don't care. A narcissist is so absorbed in themselves that they don't see, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize you had needs. I didn't realize you had mm. opinions. I didn't realize that you had feelings and wants. Oh. Um, and they genuinely don't see it because they are so self-absorbed. Where a sociopath is like, oh, I see what your wants are. I see what your needs are, but I, but I don't care. Um, I don't care about the, the harm that I inflict. Um, serial killers in the most extreme form uh, are sociopaths because okay. they they consciously have full awareness of what they're doing, but they don't care. Uh, a narcissist just doesn't have the capacity or the bandwidth um, right. to care. Okay, so they don't have the bandwidth to care. And I mean, I've spoken of this about, you know, just uh, apologizing for just uh, uh, not even a group of things, just apologizing for something they don't even know. They don't get to a specific. So it's just like, I guess you would say, like, since they apologize to non-specifics that they always think they right. You know, um, would that be a case as well? Like they're always right. It's their way or no way. I mean, I wouldn't say that a narcissist, I mean, they often think that they are superior, right? So by and large, you know, they, they often think that they're right. Um, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a trait of a narcissist to always insist that they're right, but it's just this, uh, this, this notion of superiority, uh, the grandiose behavior, um, they're, it's very self-serving. Uh, so, so they don't think about other people. They think they're better than other people. Oftentimes, uh, like if you look at kind of the, and I'm not a, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a social worker, but a lot of times narcissists have what they call a, an incidental moment, or it's a time in the past where they have felt, um, inadequate or or some sort of critical childhood trauma or moment and okay. narcissism not that i'm making excuses for it but narcissism sometimes is a way that people fortify themselves to withstand whatever trauma they're going through so if, if you're for example if you're bullied as a child and um treated very poorly you know and you're hurt one way that you help to heal yourself and move forward is like you know, I'm not, I'm not ugly like they say that I am, right? You know, or I'm not a horrible basketball player like they say that I am. So I'm going to tell myself that I'm great, that I'm amazing. Uh, oftentimes, yes, insecurity 
most narcissism, narcissism by definition, I think in many ways is a fragile ego. And oftentimes they have nothing to stand on. Um, so a lot of people, if you, if you hear people dealing in the past, right, we're grown, mm -hmm. right? People are still talking about their high school days, their college days. Um, you know, they, they were the quarterback, they were the homecoming queen of high school, you know, things like that. If their people are living in the past, oftentimes, right. no shade, my friends, but oftentimes they are, they are, I'm not saying they're narcissists, but, but when you are, are grasping for ways to feel adequate, grasping for ways to feel valid or, or, or important, um, there's a lack of esteem there. Uh -huh. uh, you're not feeling great about yourself. You're not feeling great about you in 2021. You're thinking about you in 2011 or 01 or 98. And so you, you puff yourself up in many ways. That's how people get through tough times. Like, you know, forget the fact that I, that I didn't make homecoming queen, right? I'm still great. Forget the fact that I didn't make the basketball team. My mama says I'm cool, right? You know, it's those kinds of things that people puff themselves up uh, in order to withstand and, and get through tough times. Uh, you know, in, in our own community, in the black community, um, there's a lot of traumas and things involved. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, in many ways become narcissists to withstand truly tough, time, tough times. Yeah. If there's ever been abuse, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, it's one way that people endure those traumas by trying to reaffirm themselves um, that whatever has happened to them in their lives isn't necessarily their fault. Okay, so you, you brought up being bullied as a child, you know, being bullied as a child. So I want to flip that same person that was bullied as a child and bring them up to adulthood. Now they have children. So I guess is like, are they able to in tune, in tune in with their children's feelings, or they just say forget it? I mean, it just depends on whether or not someone's done the work, right? Like, if you have had trauma or, <coughs> excuse me, bad experiences that have gone uh, untreated, undiagnosed, um, I'm a big fan of therapy. If, if you haven't dealt with some of those issues, in many ways, you will pass those on to the next generation and just anybody that you're around. So right. it all depends. You know, if somebody has gone through a traumatic experience and they recognize um, their issues, what has happened, you know, from that uh, and how they've learned and grown from that, you can help your children not go through the same experiences or or mistakes or whatever 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 happened you can avoid the negative things happening in the future your hair looks okay. great rod you, you look great you look amazing i'm not even i'm not looking at my head you see we, we, we all come on y'all give him some give him some high fives give him some applause tell rod he's so fine it's so great um i'm not here for that i'm here to do a job like i'm supposed to but as i was getting ready to say is it like does this seem more concerned about the narcissist behavior or your children behavior reflects on him or her than understanding and accepting who your kids are as people. And we could take this two different ways, accepting your kids as people, whether they cross over to the LGBT, LGBTQ, whatever the letters are at the end, though, if they cross over to that nature or they just end up as failures because 
I had someone say to me this before, and they said, you have children and you can raise them to be whatever for 18 years. After 18, you don't know what you may get. You can raise them to the best of your ability. But after 18, it becomes, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh yeah. I mean, parenting is an exercise in doing the best that, that you can to raise, uh, good citizens, good people, uh, independent people. Um, and so the problem with narcissism is that it narcissism begets narcissism in many ways. And so kids tend to children of narcissists, um, run the risk of being narcissists themselves or codependents. And, uh, because it's the environment that you grow up in and unfortunately what 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 is a typical trait of a narcissist and this is sometimes how you can identify narcissistic parents is that they treat their children like trophies they treat their okay. children like pawns um okay when you're at the at the sports game and you see the parent who's really upset at the soccer game mm -hmm. because their three-year-old three-year-old missed a goal <laughs> could be a narcissistic parent. You know why? Because they see that child's success or failure as a personal affront to them. So a lot of people, and that's what a narcissist does. When you see a parent who's, who's not really engaged, but they take, you know, Halloween pictures and Christmas photos and all those kinds of things. Um, when they see their children as pawns or trophies, right. And any parents out there know and understand, that true parenting, real parenting is one of the most selfless things that you can ever do. When you want to do it right, there's a whole lot of unsexy things that come with parenting. Kids get okay, sick. So Go ahead. I, I don't want to cut you off, but you said sports. So is it like you push your child to be involved in activities that you like and values you have interest in or, you know, or you dis carriage them or forbid them from doing things like they want to do. Like for instance, say you really engaged in basketball, but your son wants to be a dancer. <laughs> it's like, you well, don't want him to dance. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, and it's football season. You know, I love seeing people with their children one time. And I, this kind of crystallized it for me. I saw a kid and of course I'm in Chicago. Right. So I saw like, a toddler, like he's like four years old. He had to be, it was a picture. So I don't know them, but half of his face was painted in blue paint, navy blue paint, and half of his face was in orange paint. And I was like, look at this kid. He's gotta be like three or four years old. He has no idea, you know, but he's obviously a bear. His parents are obviously Bears fans. So Bears children are, are, are in many ways a byproduct or groomed, you know, by their parents. We pass right. our, our preferences on to our children, good or bad, right? It can uh -huh. be, uh, athletic activity, or it could be racism, or it could be whatever it is, we pass those values on to our kids. Um, narcissists in, in many ways see their own children as a product of themselves. So what happens is, is that they put pressure on their kids to perform in whatever, in whatever realm that is. Yes, the bears. The problem with that is that there's unnecessary stress and strain on children. So a lot of times you will see children of narcissists as incredibly high achievers. 
because they are working so hard to please their parents. They're working so hard to please that narcissistic parent because they want to be good enough. The narcissistic parent keeps moving the bar. They keep setting the bar higher and higher and higher. Oh, oh, that's great. But you, but next time I want you to score three goals. But next time I want you not even with sports, but just in life in career, doesn't that go at the, the old adage that kids are supposed to be better than their parents? Yeah, but it's, I mean, think about how it's achieved, right? Like you can be, you know, because I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a parent who wants my kids to have more than I've had, do better than I have. Um, I'm, I'm the type of mentor where I want younger lawyers to do more than I have. Um, and that's in, that's true investment. That's, um, but that's not at the, that's not at the expense Uh of, of tearing someone down. Right. The difference, uh, is with a narcissistic parent, you're, when there's a loss, it's not a place Uh of support. It's a place of like, this is your fault. You should have done better. Why didn't you score a goal? Why didn't you pass the test? Why didn't you work harder? You're not, in other words, you're not good enough for me unless you're doing and performing in a way that makes me look good or makes me better. So that's the difference. Uh, The lesson, you know, one of the things that I tell my own children, for example, is I just care that you try. Win or lose, I just want you to to give it your all. Um, I don't care about the outcome. I care about the effort because it's the effort that's going to make a difference at the end of the day. Right? So... I get what you're saying. I don't mean to cut you off, but I get what you're saying. You so now we, we, huh? I said you meant to cut me what? off. What? Dana, stop. Talk then, Dana. Damn it. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. You got <laughs> no, the shirt. I, they changed our names. They changed the color scheme to match your outfit. Like, it's all about you. It's not about me. I'm this is important. never about me. This is about, you know, informing the black community. That's all I'm here for. I'm just a pawn in God's work. That's all I am. But what I was getting ready to say on the outside of it, when you say you can't be this, you can't be that, the outside world, social media, the outside end. And when I bring this in, sports wise, you have Michael and his two, Michael Jordan and his two sons. You have LeBron James and his two sons. And they are two high, be a pinnacle athletes that we've ever seen in our life. You know, how does that when you're not being a parent like you're not being a narcissistic parent putting it you know because i can't be as great as my dad but the outside world puts that pressure on you for jeffrey uh that's not to jeffrey he just got arrested yeah jeffrey just got arrested um you know jeffrey and his other son and then you got brawny and you have his his other son um like the pressures of just being these children of these Super, I guess, superstars, superstars of the NBA. Yeah. The pressure that you deal with on the outside world. Your dad is not saying, I want you to be greater than I want you to be greater than me. But in the back of the mind, society has to accept you to be as great as them, which possibly could never, it could be, but it might not be. Well, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, it, it becomes children of stars. No matter what. Ennis Cosby? Oh, I'm not getting into no murders on here, Black about Ennis. I'm not getting into none of that. <laughs> I mean, there's always pressure to perform, you know, in the shoes of your parents. Um, 
when you're dealing but that's with not like you and I, David. That's not like you and I. No, it's not. But it's what it comes down to is in how it's played out. Because what happens if what happens if what happens if you if you don't meet that criteria, right? Jeffrey Marcus, I mean, let's be real, right? Yeah, Jeffrey and Marcus never reached that potential. Correct. Which is but the point is is that it's fine. There was I remember um Brian McKnight has gotten into it recently with his sons because right. you know they were complaining that you know their dad doesn't love them and all that. Of course, they they and some of they have gotten into music. Uh BJ and Nico have gotten into music. I've heard an interview with BJ. Yep, yep. And so, well, once again, right you may not necessarily follow in your parents' footsteps. Um, the difference between, and that's just living up to the legacy that has been placed before you. Either you embrace that, like a Kate Hudson, who followed in Goldie Hawn's footsteps and did her own thing, um, you know, or you don't, which or is fine. Joe Jellybean, whose son surpassed him, rest in peace, Kobe. Yeah. Somebody's talking about Will Smith, correct. Will Smith's kids whipping hair back and forth, and we're not even going it. to bring Will Smith up on this show because oh, Jada Pinkett is spiritualizing to be an old ball headed hoochie right now. We're not going to bring that up. But it's not even August. Like we're <laughs> we can't talk about them in August, but it's September, and it's yeah. about to be October. That's a different story. We'll bring you back about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. But, but, it, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, bringing it back to a narcissist perspective, when it comes to parenting, narcissists see everything as an affront or a reflection of themselves. So it doesn't matter. And that's why they are so controlling, for example, um, they're controlling of their children, they're controlling of their friends, they don't want you to be in their circle and embarrass them um or or do anything that's an affront to them they get they get and that's why they're so easily offended because they're insecure the ego is very fragile and so these are all the ways in which a narcissist will react um because they're constantly checking to see personally if they're offended you know and so and that's one way to tell for example if you're dealing with a narcissist they're always trying to control you they're always trying to judge you. They got opinions about everything, but it but they lack experience in those areas, right? They want to be relationship experts, but they haven't really dated in their adult life. Um, uh, they want to talk about or be an expert about things that they really don't have any any knowledge of or experience in. Uh, those are those are elementary or ele evidentiary of of somebody who may or may not be a narcissist. Okay, so, um, I, and when you and we you just brought up a relationship, they never had an adult relationship in their life. So now, when they have this adult relationship, you know what I was told: your success is her success, and her success is your success. So, do narcissists get jealous? Because the fact is, like, say that say the partner's moving along, yeah. but you're still stagnant. You're still waiting on your run, but yeah. you're not moving. You're moving. They're moving. You're not moving. Narcissists um, are competitive by nature, right? Everything is an affront to them. So, I mean, one thing when you're encountering narcissists, uh, they will be attracted to you as a friend, as a coworker, as a lover, uh, because of all of your great things. You're amazing, you're, you're 
handsome, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're funny, you're personable, whatever it is, uh, they will be drawn to you in whatever way. You've got the relationship with the boss, you know, you have some benefit that they want to emulate, that they appreciate, that they admire. Eventually they end up hating what they love. And right. so they use that to tear you down and control you. People who are in romantic relationships with narcissists, um, there, there's a reason why many people who kind of get taken by narcissists or become codependents of narcissists, uh, they tend to have a whole lot going on for them. They're doing amazing things. They're good looking, they're talented um, because that's attractive to the narcissist. If a narcissist can land somebody who's on the ball, it makes mm -hmm. their stock go up. And so they're- Huh? Trophy wife, trophy, 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 trophy husband, balling, all that, right? That is what a narcissist gets excited about. Because I'm associated now with somebody who is dope, who's doing amazing right. things, and they want me, right? But over mm -hmm. time, they become, they become jealous of those things because they see your star rising, they see your star mm -hmm. climbing, and and it's, yep. They drain you. Ava said they drain you. They drain your ass. You know, it's, uh, you know, they, they see your energy. They see it being positive and amazing, but they want to tear that down. They want to control that because what they don't want you to do is see yourself without them. They don't, a narcissist doesn't want you to outgrow them. A narcissist does not want you to outgrow them. So what they're going to do is they're going to create mechanisms over time, right? It's a grooming process. It's a tearing down process. Uh, we can talk about, can we talk about like our, our most infamous groomer this week, our most infamous narcissist? Um, Go ahead, Robert, bring him down. You know, did you say, did you say Robert? Yeah, <laughs> that's about to go ahead. I mean, I'm just saying, but, but, you know, it was a pro it's a process that happens over time. So yeah, before you burn all your chocolate factory CDs, I know y'all listening to it one more time. Um, and I'm from Chicago, so there's that. But 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 I I, I want to stop you right there because this is something when I was listen I was riding I was listening to Sway in the morning and a young lady from Chicago called and said us us you know us from Chicago Chicago wins we all knew this yeah we did oh, it was just the yeah. world didn't know this the world didn't know it. yeah I mean it's true um uh. Kenwood High, pulling up to Kenwood. Kenwood High. Absolutely, yeah. R. Kelly would pull up to Kenwood High. He would pull up at the Rock and Roll McDonald's downtown. Um, and at the time, you know, when I was younger, I thought it was like, you know, seeing a star. Like, if you want to see a star, right? But I didn't realize that. Uh, and and people from Chicago remember remember North Pier, um, not to be confused with Navy Pier, but North Pier was was a place that that tweens and teenagers could hang out, you know, before they were 21, arcades and just really innocent fun. But R. Kelly knew the spots that that teenagers would be hanging out in, ha hanging out in. And so, um, but but very much a narcissist, right? Uh, and, and in many ways, I would I would probably classify him as a as a sociopath. Particularly, sociopath. yeah, I mean. He had an STD that he was knowledgeable of and infected people knowingly. That's the sociopathic element of his narcissism where you don't care how you hurt people. Uh, you don't right. care that you're, that you're injuring people. 
but but narcissists very similarly, because uh, I do think he's both. Um, they they want to control their environment because their ego is very fragile, and we all know, you know, just from from the R. Kelly story. And he's not he's not the only one. He's just a, a famous example, but the traits are well, are, are very classic. Well, you, you have you have him, you have Bill, you have Woody Allen, you have so many um other people um you know that went through this because um I think like the era of music back in the nineties, early two thousand, that was kind of like the rape era. Well, we don't we don't I mean. We can continue to talk about rapey topics. Um, I think you never would do that. I think it's I think it's fame is ripe for grooming narcissists because it's telling everybody that your your value is either your talent and or your ego. And so talent, people get people get wrapped up money. in all that. Yeah, absolutely. And so and never told no. Yeah, never being told no people enabling you. Um, and that's what R. Kelly, for example, and Bill Cosby and others exploited for their gain. They knew that there were people who just wanted to know them or be near them. And they exploited that for their own, for their own gain. Yeah, well, I mean, we could talk about for days because at the end of the day, me as a human being, I feel like everybody in that circle should be locked the fuck up. That's just me. Everybody. But it parents was a lot of the children, people. Parents of the children, managers, road managers. It was a lot of people. people. It was a lot of people coming and going. Um, I mean, a lot of people got paid off. A lot of people were enablers. Um, that whole, I mean, it was, I, as a lawyer, I understand the racketeering aspect of it because there were a lot of people involved in, in making that operation satiating this man's desires um sexual or not um, and his whims making that happen in different states and different places uh with different people and just facilitating that and or turning a blind eye to what people already knew uh was what that was going down right okay so we went there now I know you said something earlier that you wanted to go into how to break down and get away from a narcissist, something in those words that you said earlier. So how is it like, I think the thing, highly narcissistic people, they hate seeing others being happy. This is true. True. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> narcissists go through what they call the discard phase and you can Google, you know, the different stages of narcissism and how it works, but there's a discard and a devalue phase. So once a narcissist has decided, or you've decided that they can't get anything else from you, um, you flip into being this awful, this awful person. You're a terrible person. Uh, once again, one of the things that, that narcissists lack in addition to empathy is accountability. A narcissist will never say, hey, look, it's my fault. I did it. I was wrong. Uh, it's always someone else's fault. So that's right. also, that's a classic way to, to determine whether or not you're dealing with a narcissist is if you're dealing with somebody who can never admit that they're wrong, uh, who can never apologize, who can never own the things that they do and kind of sit in that truth. 
Um, but once you've ended things, whether it's a coworker or a, or a lover or a spouse or a friend, um, they go through the devaluing phase, which means that what they want to do is it makes them feel better to tear you down and say, right. it's your problem. This person was awful. You know, even if you broke up with them, even if you left them, or even if you told them, you know, this is what I need in this friendship, this relationship, the narcissist will always make it your fault, make it about you. Um, uh, until they find what they call a supply. Narcissists need an endless supply of admiration and affection and, and people to be like, you're amazing. You're great fans. Narcissists need an endless supply of fans. And so until they get a new fan, they focus on you and tearing you down. Um, narcissists are motivated and act on getting a rise out of you. So that's where you'll see the petty. Uh, that's where you'll see the poking. That's where you'll see the people uh, being antagonistic with you because they're trying to get a reaction out of you. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. a narcissist will know um, where to push your buttons um, and how to hurt you because they've gotten close to you, right? They've charmed their way into learning a lot about you. And so the best thing you can do with a narcissist or to get away from a narcissist is to go no contact, um, is to have no interaction if you can help it. Uh, if you have children with them, for example, or some other dependent, if they're your, your parent, some other dependent relationship, um, have very little contact as possible. Engage as little as possible. It's not about don't argue. Uh, you know, it's not up for debates or discussion. Uh, it's really matter of fact. This is where we're picking up the kids. Uh, this is what we're doing for this. Uh, I recommend keeping activities and things separate if you're sharing children, because mm -hmm. there's no there's no positivity there, and they're always kind of looking for an in, particularly if they feel like you are a valuable supply. You're you're somebody that makes them look good, um, but you got away, right? God forbid you you have parted ways with them and have moved on and have done better, right. um, um, have done better. Doing better for yourself is an affront to a narcissist once they are done with you. They can't stand to see you shine uh, without them because right. it makes them look like the bad guy or woman. Right. So this is probably like, I'm always open. So this is where I'm coming with mine. Cause I, my situation before was like with a narcissist and at, at time or oh, fully times, it was like, uh, she would say, I got this event tonight and I would go. And then I would say, well, I got this event next week with my people. Oh, and not and with you. And they <laughs> like, wasn't down. Yeah. It's all about that. Yeah, like, why you not going? And it was to the point, like, anybody watching that knows sports, I felt like Manti Teo was like, this chick is invisible. Like, because whenever I show up, my people like, yo, where your girl at? I'm like, uh, I got to make this excuse up. Got to do this. Got to do that. Like, you know, and that was the crazy part. But the minute I stated, I'm not going to your people's event. I'm... I just want to relax. It became a whole fucking another fucking issue. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Right. And, you know, and, and, you know, that's just from my experience of what I dealt with. And it was just like, I didn't know. I got lost. I was like, what the fuck is going on? This ain't me. This can't be fucking healthy. No, I, I get it. I mean, in my experience and in, in the spirit of transparency, I mean, I've dated narcissists before. I believe I was married to one. Um, and in many ways, you know, and, and people who know me well know that I'm I'm a supportive person. I'm about, if you look at my page and just different things that I do. And I already know you've been here twice. You've been in my house twice. Oh, that's just, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. You know, but but it's about it's about showing up, right? And when you come across good people, you know, you're just there. It's like, you know, what can I do to support you? I love right. what you're doing, so I'm down. I'm here to help. I'm here to support. What can I do to help you shine? I'm a big proponent of that on my show. Uh, I talk about women supporting women because I don't think we do that enough. And, you know, somebody told me one time, he was like, I mean, if you ask me to, to do it, I'll do it. You know, but, but, you know, I didn't, but you don't, you know, but you have to ask me. And I'm like, well, what about this friend of yours? And he was like, well, I mean, I do that automatically. You know, she doesn't have to ask me to do anything, but I, but I, I share and show up for her automatically. Right. That's how, you know, you're not dealing with somebody who's, who's right. I'm not saying they're necessarily right. a narcissist, but that is a narcissistic trait of really being all about them. Because part of it is right. If you, if you are not narcissistic, you're not gonna you're gonna feel awkward about accepting things that you wouldn't necessarily do yourself. Right. That a narcissist would be like, oh, sweat me, you know, love me, but I am not gonna do those things for you. I'm not gonna show up in the way that you're showing up for me. I'm gonna enjoy all of this benefit. But they're they lack reciprocity. A narcissist lacks reciprocity because it's self-absorbed. There's no reciprocity in self-absorption. And so that's one way to tell if you're dealing with somebody who is narcissistic because it's really all about them. The things that you do naturally for them, you have to ask for in terms of reciprocity. And that's a problem. Isn't that right, Lee? <laughs> And the thing is, I was giving Bram because I was doing a promo video early and I saw a video earlier. It was two men that came out their house and the paper boy threw the paper out. And they both named were Tony. And they said, Tony, I need to talk to you. And, you know, it's neighbors. So he walked to the other neighbor. He walked to the grass line of the house. The other neighbor never moved out his front lawn. And he had to walk all the way over there to him. So... That broke it down to me like narcissists will never meet you fucking halfway. They won't. They won't meet you. You gotta in your come moment. to them straight up. You. They won't meet you in your in your moment. They won't meet you where you are. They won't meet you in your need, because once again, it's all about them. If it benefits them, right? If you are in distress and there's you know a a, a channel a channel NBC is is NBC News is available, then yeah, they're gonna show up and here I am to save the day. I'm here to save you rod and and be on camera and i want to put it on social media right but if it's the things that you don't get credit for if it's the things that that nobody cares about if it's the unsexy things um nobody nobody cares nobody it doesn't matter to people but that but that's how we that's the society we live in now because 
if it's not on Facebook, if it's not on Snapchat, if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen. I'll tell you this. I think we are raising narcissists. One of the things that I can't stand um, are participation trophies and goodie bags. Because Fuck what them. that means- I hate participation trophies. So it, excuse, I don't mean to cut you off. I play you sports. Up, yeah. Anybody that fucking plays sports, there's no such thing as fucking second place. No, there's <laughs> except in the Olympics. We call it the silver medal. However, that's the first loser. But what I'm saying is, I agree. I think that um, you're teaching people to always think they're great. And sometimes you need to just sit in the loss. You're teaching people to always think they're great. And, and sometimes you should just sit in the loss because there's lessons to be learned in losing. Um, you're not going to always be great. Things are not going to always go your way. You're not going to always win. And that's one of the things that I think is you know, it's a thing that I that I try to share with my own children and, and kids that I mentor. Losing sucks, but there's lessons in the valley. There's and lessons. absolutely. And so this whole motivation. like motivation. Yeah. Are you are you mad at your loss? How about you do better? How about you work harder? How about you, you know, train harder? Because that's right. when I was I played sports in high school and um my freshman year, our teams sucked. You know, but but sophomore year we kicked ass because we we lost so much and got so tired and so frustrated with losing. We were like, we don't we don't ever want this to happen again. So we got in the lab, we trained, we worked out, we drilled, and we started to when we went to state my senior year. And so my point is that there are lessons in loss, there are lessons in losing. But the problem with a narcissist is that your ego is so fragile, you can't even take the thought or bear the the idea of losing. There's a perfectionism aspect of things. And don't get me wrong, many people want to be perfectionists in many different ways, but a narcissist can't let go of that. They can't deal with failure. They can't process failure. And I think in our world of raising children to go to a birthday party, when it's not their birthday, but expecting a goodie bag, expecting something for them. Right. This is about giving to little Pam. It's not right. about you. You're here Nobody to celebrate. His name Pam, though, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> You're here to celebrate Leroy. Leroy. Um, show nothing. Rest in peace, Julius. I can't forget you. I forgot your last name, shit, because we talked about this the other day. Julius, rest in peace. Yes. Uh, it's about being stepping outside of yourself and celebrating someone else, showing up for someone else. Hey, listen, we're not here for the goodie bags. We're here because it's so-and-so's birthday, and we're showing up for him or her. Good uh, example of Black Marvel, Trump and Kanye. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, the lists of narcissists, unfortunately, in this society, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, I mean, that's that's what that's what's happening. And people are emulating that. Like they see the antics of these people and they idolize them. That's what's scary to me is that people see what Trump and Kanye do. Um, There's a lot of buzz about Kanye's most recent performance in Chicago at Soldier Field with the house and the craziness. Some people think that stuff is dope and and want to want to emulate it and that's what's scary to me is that people can't see through the ego 
and the narcissism. Well, you gotta see through it, you know, one way or the other. But I think what I was getting ready to say when you was like, you know, second, like um, one of my favorite players, Kevin Durant, and he always says that number two is his motivation being drafted by Greg behind Greg Oden. That's his motivation. So you can Explain use that. it, huh? Explain that the number two that he was drafted number two behind Greg Oden. Greg Oden was drafted one, and he like right. I should have been one. But he used that as motivation. Now, in my opinion, is probably the best basketball player on the planet of Earth right now. But some others will disagree. But I'm not here to debate a sports show that comes in. We're doing that in November. Uh, so I'm not here to debate that. Can I, come, can I come for that one, too? Ms. Daniel, you always are welcome in my house. When am I going to be welcome in your house? That's going to be the question. You want to come? Well, my show, uh, the show on TV, we got to come to come to the studio, but we'll talk because I'd love to have you, you on. Said nothing but a goddamn word. Getting to Chicago. Come on, come on, let's go. But you know we've reached that point of the show oh, where yeah. it's time somebody told me something wild. <laughs> so it's get ready be time for our daily weekly. I'll be damned. Here we go. Lord have mercy. Yes, I'll be damned is ready to roll. Um, let me mute my so I can so we can do this. I'll be damned coming on now, and this is based out of Atlanta, GA tonight. All right, my ATL folks. Good evening. It's time for another episode of I'll Be Damned. So today we got a person coming from, uh, this is in Atlanta, this, this is in Atlanta. This is an Atlanta GA. So she wrote into me and said, hey, Rod, I want to tell you my story. Okay, so the story goes like this. So I was on I was on a first date with this guy at a restaurant that recently opened. I was excited to go to the restaurant because it was a chick modern spot with a loungy vibe, if that made any sense. And there were they were big on featuring local artists, because I'm one anyway. Anyway, things were going well, so I thought, until my date made a weird face. Is everything okay? Man, what kind of place is this? It's a whole bunch of cake boys. Translation, homosexual men in there. Um, it's a new restaurant, and what dudes are you referring to anyway? So he decides to point over there and right there. Not really certain why that matters when we're hit, when he's here with me anyway. Didn't know that a couple of gay dudes sprinkle in this big restaurant who aren't even checking for you was such a big deal. They're not even showing the game and they have all these TVs in this place. So I have a blank stare on my face. Well, this isn't a sports bar and we didn't come to watch any games. Well, at least I didn't. So how about we continue to enjoy the evening without focusing our attention on outside factors? Factors, let's get it in here. I could have ended the date at that moment, 
but I tried to lighten things up instead because he seemed uncomfortable. What's the big effing deal about a couple gay men in a restaurant? That's what I thought. He said he wanted to go to a sports bar that was 30 minutes away after dinner for drinks. And like the good sport that I am, I oblige. We hot. I didn't get that. Could you try again? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we hopped in his car because he drove. And even though I didn't want to go, we headed to the sports bar. We were only on the road for 10 minutes when he took an unfamiliar exit off the interstate and I just assumed he knew some sort of back way. That was until he pulled into a residential neighborhood. Um, where are we? He said he had used the bathroom really bad from all that drinking we did at the restaurant. You barely had anything to drink to be spending that much time complaining about gay men or whatever. And he said he had to make a quick run inside. I said I'll wait, but he asked that I come inside. I mean, like, for what? You got a shit or something? Anyway, I went inside with him. Fucking rookie mistake. I waited in the living room. He grabbed the remote to turn on the TV, and I told him that wouldn't be necessary since we would be leaving soon. He then asked me to show me around his house, and I declined by saying, don't you have to go to the bathroom? He went to the bathroom and sat next to me on the couch when he returned. We were talking briefly, and then he said he'd rather watch a movie instead. Did he just hit me with the Netflix and movie chew? The trickery at its finest. He proceeded to turn on some movie, and I started to get pissed. I told him to take me home, and then he suddenly wrapped his arms around me to give a big hug. Why are you hugging me, sir? He stared into my eyes. Mind you, I had the most confused look on my face. Out of nowhere, he pressed his lips against my forehead. If you don't get the hell off of me with that best man moves, bro, you ain't even take digs and I ain't near long. That shit doesn't work in real life. I was way through. He took me home and did the same dumbass, non-so-central best man forehead kiss move as he stood outside my doorstep. Please stop, sir. Please just stop. He looked at me like some sad puppy as he stood in the doorway anticipating that I would invite him in, but I closed the door in his face instead. Poof, pal, be gone. You got to do better than that, man. I be damned. See you next week. Yeah, mute. That's that's the shit that happens. Break that down for me, Dana. <laughs> uh, and it was the first date, right? That was my assumption. That was the first date. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, just from a safety perspective, you know, I always recommend that people drive themselves, just because you never know. You know, your first date, you don't know who you're meeting, and some you could be catfished. Um, and I'm not overly, I mean, there's some people who are, I think, a little bit overly paranoid when it comes to dating for various reasons, right? People come with all kinds of traumas and past experiences, but I tend to be a bit more um, more trusting than some of my own friends when it comes to dating. But even I believe that you should always provide your own transportation um, on initial dates because you haven't built that trust up 
with someone yet. Uh -huh. So you have no idea what their intentions of that day are. Um, you know, the there are some people who have uh, homophobic values. And so seeing other people of a different sexual orientation, even just seeing them or encountering them um, becomes a trigger, which, you know, I think is a bit problematic for us people of color, because if we want people to accept us, we must also, I, in many ways, I believe, be accepting of other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy was clearly manipulating this woman and not being direct with his intentions, but wanting to manipulate her into the vulnerability uh, that he wanted, which was to, to get her alone, to get her home, you know, to get her into a place um, that's beyond just food. And so obviously, you know, I'm thankful, like someone said, I'm thankful that he actually, you know, took her home or, or dropped her off because many times that doesn't happen. And that's the point that I want people to, to take a, to take a moment to understand or to appreciate, you know, you ladies can control that situation and men too, right? You can insist for first dates that people let's meet on a, in a public place and let's all get there ourselves. So that if either party is not feeling uh, next steps and whatnot, everybody can get out, you know, the way that they want to. Uh, you you subject yourself to a stranger when you give over when you give over that power. And I think a lot of it also just kind of comes down to communication. Um, if this man was interested, uh, he he and he probably should have communicated that. He probably could have said, you know, hey. But but he also kind of knew, you know, he, he hey, I want to take you home and just give you the business. I want to holla, 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 holla at you, girl. Come here, girl. Come here. He knew that what he wanted, his lustful feelings were probably more than what she was ready for, which is why yes. he was trying the manipulation tactic of like, let me kind of force the issue. Let me put you in a situation where you don't have many options, where you don't have a choice. Um, uh, to, to take advantage of you. And so it's just, it's a, it's a testament to just being careful and, and being guarded and being able to just control the things that you, that you do control. Um, what's funny to me in some ways is that these are sometimes some of the people who will have a Google number for, for dating purposes, but will ride in a car with somebody. Um, and it's kind of like, if you're going through all that security, you know, at the outset, uh, you should be more cognizant as well, you know, just about how you allow yourself to be in vulnerable situations. But it happens to the best of us. Um, and so that's why I just think it's important to just be um, communicative in, in your interests and your intents. Um, Ava, so I don't know if that was him. Face. I don't know if that was him, Ava. Maybe, maybe, girl. Watch out. What? Hey, girl. Hey, watch out. It was, it was in Atlanta, so I don't know what the fuck was going on. Listen, all kinds of things happen in A. I love Atlanta, but that part. Got you. I got you, man. But, you know, thank you for coming again, Dana. Always. My pleasure, my friend. All good. And, and I'll definitely see you probably one more again. <laughs> before sure. season two is done, I'll definitely, I got, we can always reach out, but it's time for me to go to the shop. 
and come on, you know, you Dana. You should come join me on Dana B and Dana. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, we are planning our 2022 year. Um, and we're really excited about all the stuff that we've got going on and stuff that we have coming up. So I think narcissism uh, is such an important topic because it's easy to fall into the gaslighting, the the web, the labyrinth um, that, that narcissists weave and try to catch people up in. So um, it's one reason why I did a show on it. It's why I enjoy talking about it because I didn't know when I found myself um, caught up in, 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 an, in a narcissistic environment. And it's just important to be aware uh, of how you can be manipulated, how people can gaslight you. Um, so I just tell people to trust your instincts, trust your guts. Uh, you'll know, you, you know, when something doesn't feel right, when something doesn't sound right, when something's not right. So the more you can lean into that understanding, the more you can trust yourself in that space, the better off you will be. Um, there are a ton of books and uh, self-help mechanisms when it comes to narcissism and identifying that uh, before right. it's too late. Some narcissists go to the extreme of uh, putting you in financial strain, uh, emotional strain, economic strain. And I just want people to avoid those pitfalls. So if we get anything else from that today is look up the signs of, of narcissistic personality disorder and know how to identify them. Um, in all aspects of your life. Got you. Where can, I know how to reach you, but how can they reach you? Well, uh, I'm on Facebook, Dana being Dana. I'm on Instagram at, at, at Dana being Dana. So please check us out. We're on Naperville Community Television, nctv17.com. Uh, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for guests and show ideas. Um, and we're planning into 2022 right now. So we love talking about all the topics that we uh, find to be important. And narcissism is one of them. The human connection is what we're all about. And there are so many things that people are going through these days. So, um, um, you know, please check us out. Uh, and, and we'd love to stay in touch. We love HBCU uh, Network. We love the lounge and what y'all are doing. We, could, we can lounge all day. We could lounge all day. Because um, I think you guys are doing incredible work. And I love how you connect all these HBCU folks, these HBCU single folks. Um, so it's all good stuff. So thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Oh, you're always welcome. My is my house, but you're always welcome. All right. Um, I will definitely see y'all next week with another episode of I Be Damned. And next week we have a licensed therapist coming on and we're talking about depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolarness. We're talking about all of that next week, um, next Wednesday on at 9 p.m. as usual but check out miss v ask a black woman where they're talking about mental health as well so on important. sunday at so 8 p.m eastern eastern central time you know always thank you for coming myself ava didn't produce the show tonight brother for real did it thank you brother for real for doing this tonight for me Dana, thank you for coming on again. I got to send you some flowers over to Chicago. Aww. In exchange for some deep dish pizza. Got it. You got it. All good. So definitely, you know, thank you for coming out once again. Thank you for everybody for watching. Hopefully that mental health week. Yeah, it's basically mental health week on both shows next week. It's important. Totally. 
it's important for our people. I, I can't underestimate the value of of mental health. Trauma is a real thing, and and our people, Black folks, you know, go through it more than many, and so it's so important. So can't wait to tune in and check out the shows this week. It's going to be great. But I may be tuning in Saturday for a special Amsterdam talk live with the chicks from Horse Stories. I'll, I'll pin you if I have it on Saturday. It might be a special Amsterdam talk on Saturday with the chicks from Horse Stories. They have a Are podcast. Horror Stories? Yeah, Horror Stories. They have a podcast. The ladies from Horse Stories. Horror or Horror? Wait, whore, W H O R E S. Oh, whore. okay. <laughs> yeah, so it might be a special edition on Saturday. I don't know, but I'll let you know if you see the promo drop with the ladies from Horror Stories. And we're in here. Bring so them out. Bring them out. Been, yeah, how they've been soliciting and doing things. But thank you, Dana Michelle, for coming. I'm Rod, Ava, brother for real. Dana, get him some Garrett popcorn too. Oh, I got yeah. it. Garrett's popcorn, deep dish pizza. You got it. Just no Shout order. out to my brothers that don't, you know, shout out to Cabrini Green, as always. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Dana, for coming. I'm Rod, Ava, brother for real producing tonight. This is Amsterdam Talk. See you Sunday for Ask a Black Woman, where we're doing mental health all through the lounge next week. Amsterdam Talk and ask a black woman about mental health so tune in good times next week we'll see you rod dana michelle signing off thank you good night